the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time once again for another look into God's infallible book as we welcome you to another edition of the Riches of Grace. My name is Richard Jordan, and it's my privilege to be your host and Bible teacher each week as we uh, as we meet together right here to study God's Word together. This program is brought to you by Christian people that believe the Bible will be the Word of God and who appreciate its power and its authority. And we trust that our time together will be a rich blessing and help uh, as we look into the Word of God, we look into the Scripture, the Bible, and allow the Spirit of God uh, to teach us through His Word. Today, we're going to look at, at the question uh, uh, that, that we often get, and that is, what keeps a grace believer going? You know, we live in a, we live in a world that um, it, it could be very discouraging to live in. When you look around at the, the, uh, the times that we live in, the, the, the obvious and apparent failure of our uh, political leaders, our economic leaders, our, our religious leaders, our social leaders, in every area of life, you can look at our culture and see it crumbling. And you can see uh, the anxiety that, uh, you know, the causes for anxiety and the anxiety that resides in the hearts of, of, of people. Uh, you know, there's a verse in Luke where Jesus talks about his coming, and he says before his coming that men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking upon the things that are happening in the world. And we live in a world that's very much like that. Well, what is it that sustains a believer? What is it that, that is designed by God to allow us to continue on through life? What is it that, 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 is, that God has designed to allow you or me in the vicissitudes of life, when it's disease, when it's difficulty, when it's death, when it's desertion, when it's divorce, when it's depression, when it's whatever it is that comes into your life, the challenges of life. And sometimes those challenges, you know, are, are abundance and affluence. Obviously, in our world, we don't do so well with abundance and affluence, do we? But we're not good stewards of those things sometimes. But the, the things that really plague us are the, are the difficult things. And when those things come into your life, where are the resources that you can draw upon to, uh, to, to sustain you in the midst of that? Well, if you listen to our studies on a regular basis, you know that, that we call ourselves grace believers. That is, we're not under the law. Romans 6 verse 14 says, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And oftentimes people accuse us of when we, you know they, they, they'll misunderstand that and oh maybe they understand it because when we say we're not under the law we we, we mean we're not under the law somebody says well brother rick do you mean you don't you shouldn't keep the ten commandments well i mean bite your tongue you know better than that sure you should the problem is should you keep the commandments the ten commandments the question is how you doing with it you know i talk to people sometime and they say well i think you ought to keep the commandments you know Seldom, if ever, do I find someone who can list all ten of them for me. And almost never can I find someone who can list all ten in order. Well, if you thought your eternal destiny depended on you keeping the commandments, if you thought being right with God, 
and having a, having acceptance with the Creator of heaven and earth depended on you keeping the commandments. Don't you think you would know what they were? I think I would. Don't you think you would be able to know them in order, by heart, be able to recite them instantly? I think I would. You know, the problem with that is it's just a catchphrase. What people mean by keeping the commandments or the Ten Commandments is they mean religion. I remember Billy Graham went on Johnny Carson. Now, that dates me, I know, way way into the dark ages. But uh, Noah and I were buddies, you know, and, and we, we used to like to watch Johnny Carson. And I remember Billy Graham on Johnny Carson one night. Um, Carson asked him, he says, what, what? he was talking about the difficulties in life. And actually, Carson had been going through some very difficult things in his own family life at that time. And he, he asked Billy, he said, what should we do? And Graham said, keep the Ten Commandments and the Sermon on the Mount. And I thought, oh, my. Because that's putting a burden upon them, Peter said, that neither we nor our fathers could bear. You see, the problem with saying you should keep the Ten Commandments is you don't keep the Ten Commandments. Have you been down through them lately? You don't keep them. The Bible says he that uh, that, that, that if you're going to keep the commandments, you have to keep all of them. Because if you break one, then you're guilty of them all. You see, that's a high, high standard. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, James 2.10 says, he is guilty of all. All you have to fail is once, and you're guilty. How many times did Adam and Eve have to sin before God put them out of the Garden of Eden? Just once. So you see, that's why religion won't do. Even if it's the religion that God gave to the nation Israel through the hands of Moses. I've often said God only gave one religion in all of human history. He gave it to the nation Israel through the hands of Moses. And they couldn't keep it. They failed. You see, the law of God condemns the best of us. It does exactly what it was designed to do. It points out our sin. For by the law is a knowledge of sin. And the whole world... The law was given that, that, that all the world might be guilty and every mouth might be stopped because the law condemns all of us, not because there's something wrong with the law, but there's something wrong with us. And you see, that's why the law, keeping the law, won't keep you going. A performance-based acceptance. Now, you can, you can dumb down the law. You can dumb down the rules to, you know, to, to your religious uh, uh, liking. The problem is you don't do it. I have a neighbor in the neighborhood that I live in. He's not a Christian. He's of another religion. Uh, and, and in his religion, there's once a year they have to fast every day for a month. And, um, he's not even, I mean, he's completely and totally during the, during the daylight hours. And I asked him, I said, do, are, are you telling me that, that you do this? Oh, yes, yes. And I said, you mean you do it perfectly? And he says, well, I try to. <laughs> I said, now wait a minute. You mean, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday afternoon, you're at home and you don't go to the refrigerator and just pull out, you know, or, or go to the cookie shelf and get a cookie absent-mindedly because you do it on a normal basis. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, you understand what I'm talking about. I don't care what religion it is, what rules and regulations you have. You don't keep them perfectly. You know why you don't? Because you're a sinner. As soon as you have rules and regulations and, 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 and things that you have to keep that way, ceremonial correctness to perform. Now, that sounds easy, and it is easy to do, frankly. The problem is we don't do it consistently. 
So the question isn't should I keep the commandments. The, the, the question is how you're doing, and, and how you're doing is you're not doing so good. That's where the grace of God comes in. Where the law of God condemns the best of us, the grace of God saves the worst of us. And that's the key. That's why Paul says you're not under the law, but under grace. Why? Because you and I can't keep the law. So God provides a gift for us, one that he paid for that we need but don't deserve. And you see, what keeps a believer going? What keeps a grace believer going? And they're all kind of other believers. I understand that. It's not the law. It's grace. Paul says in Titus chapter 2, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation to all, uh, bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Now the way the grace of God that brings salvation appeared to all men is through the ministry that the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven's glory gave to and through the apostle Paul. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1, uh, I Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God that's given to me for you word. How that by revelation made known unto me the mystery, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. You see, in the Bible, there are two operating systems. One is called law, one is called grace. God gave both of them. They're just different. They're not the same. And the grace program, the law came in through Moses, and the grace program was introduced by the Lord Jesus Christ through the ministry that he committed to the apostle Paul. That's why... And isn't it sad that Paul would have to say it in Ephesians 3, 2, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God that's given to me, to you, could it possibly be that at that late date and in Paul's ministry there were people who hadn't heard? Evidently there were. Can I tell you today, if I ask you, have you heard about the dispensation of the grace of God given to you and me through the ministry of Paul? I dare say that most of the thousands of people that listen to this radio program each week would have to say, no, we don't hear about it. Many of you would be on your way to church today, to, to church meetings, and you won't hear about the dispensation of grace today in the church where you go. Your Christian life won't operate on the basis of ignorance. Too often, when you drive up into the church parking lot, you could just as well unscrew your head and put it in the glove compartment because you aren't going to need it. Now lock your car up because you're going to need it when you go home, but you won't need it while you're in church. Your Christian life won't operate on the basis of ignorance, just mindless repetition of things that just go on and over and on and on and on. Just the emotional uh, exuberance for things that you really don't understand. Listen, your Christian life is made to live and operate in your life as an intelligent response to an understanding of God's Word to you. Your faith resting in an intelligent understanding of what God's Word has to say about who He's made you in Christ and what that means. That's where God's, that's where the Christian life resides. And that's why Paul says the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. You see, grace teaches us. Now what is grace? Grace is all that God is free to do for you through the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. Romans 3.24 says, being justified freely, by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You can't separate grace from the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, in whom we have redemption through his blood. The grace of God is unattachable from the cross work of Jesus Christ. It is, it is bound into and 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 and, and uh, united to the blood of Jesus Christ, and the grace of God is all that God is free to give to you 
being justified freely by his grace. It's all that God is free to give you because of the cross work of Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried, and was raised again the third day for our justification. Because of what Jesus Christ did at Calvary, he bought a package of spiritual benefits and blessings to give to us. He paid the price. That's why it says being justified freely. It's a free gift. If I buy something and give it to you, it's a free gift to you. Now, I paid for it, but you can't pay for it because it was a gift. It doesn't mean the gift was cheap. It doesn't mean the gift had no cost attached to it. It just means you don't pay for the gift. You don't pay the cost. I paid the cost. Well, that's what God says. Salvation's a free gift. It isn't that it was cheap. It, it came at the coinage of the, of the price of the blood of God's own Son. But it's free to you. Why? Because you had nothing to pay. You couldn't pay for it. You would never be able to pay for it. God wanted you to have it, so he bought it for you and gives it as a free gift. And the grace of God is all that God is free to give to you through the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. And the grace of learning that Jesus Christ put away sin by the sacrifice of himself so he could give us his life, that teaches us. When you learn what that teaches you, Paul says in Titus 2.12, teaching us, the grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now, does that sound like grace teaches you to live in sin? No, that isn't what grace teaches I, I know religion tells you that. Religion threatens you and says, if you don't do what I tell you to do, if you don't follow my rules and my regulations, then your God isn't going to be happy with you. God don't like that, and he won't like you too. Paul says, what you learn from the cross work is that God knew you couldn't perform anyway, even when you wanted to. God knew that you would fail and that you wouldn't be able to live up to even the lowest standards that you set for yourself or that others set for you. And therefore, God purchased a gift, the gift of eternal life, Jesus Christ put away your failure, everything that's wrong with you, and all the guilt and the blame of it at Calvary. When he died for your sins, God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Don't miss that. I had a lady just told me just, just a few days ago, gave her testimony to me. She says, you know, I was, I was confused in religion, raised in religion, raised in a church where we went and talked about Jesus and we praised God and we did all kind of things. But she said, I thought in order to be saved, I had to live a life that God would accept. And I knew that I couldn't, and I got discouraged because I wasn't living up to the standard that I knew at least I thought God would be his minimum. She said, then I, I, I saw a guy on the television <laughs> standing in front of a chalkboard talking about Christ died for our sins. And she said, I didn't believe that at first. He said, that's all you have to trust is what Jesus Christ did at Calvary. Nothing else. You want to see the love of God? Look to Calvary. And she said, I didn't believe that. I didn't understand. She said, but I kept watching and I kept watching. And one day, the truth of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 struck my soul. And I trusted Jesus Christ and relied exclusively on him as my Savior. She said, Brother Rick, don't ever quit preaching that. Can I tell you, I don't want to ever, I won't ever quit that. I want you to hear that message today. Maybe you're listening to this program because you're, you're religious. 
Maybe you're listening to this day because you want to, because you are a Bible student. But maybe you're listening today because you're not and you want to be. You want, you're looking for some answers. Can I tell you the answer is not going to be in going to church today. The answer is not going to be in turning a new leaf over. The answer is not going to be stopping whatever it is that's a problem in your life. The answer is going to be trusting what God did when He provided for you the payment for all of your sin to set you free from sin and to give you His life in place of the death that sin brings. That's the grace of God. And what that teaches you when, you, when you learn that Jesus Christ paid it all, you'll sing with the songwriter, All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And when you learn what the grace of God teaches you, it teaches you that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, denying who you were, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. We put away sin. We deny we put away sin. by the He put it away by the sacrifice of himself. So what does grace teach me? When I see sin in my life, that's what Christ died for. Put it away. How? Well, you can put it away because you're dead to sin and alive to God. You put off the old man. That isn't who I am anymore. And I'm going to live in the identity God has given me in his son. So the issue that the grace of God teaches. What keeps a grace believer going is understanding the cross work, understanding what God has accomplished for us at Calvary. Second Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says it this way, For the love of Christ constraineth us. It's the love of Christ for us. You see, grace doesn't say, Love me with all your heart, mind, soul, body, and strength, and if you don't, you're a failure. Grace doesn't say, Love your neighbor as yourself. God knows you, you 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 love yourself, and He knows you're never going to love anybody else the way you love yourself. The, the 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 grace of God says, "Look how much I love you." For the love of Christ, His love for us constraineth us. John said it this way: He said, "We love Him because He first loved us." You see, instead of trying to conjure up the love of a, a love for God in your heart, just relax. And appreciate how much God already loved you. And when you find out how much he loved you, you won't have any trouble responding. In fact, you won't be able to keep your heart from responding in love to him. For the love of Christ, his love for us is what constrains us. When we realize that God has taken everlasting arms of love and put them around us and hugged us to himself, that's what picks us up and walks off with us. For the love of Christ constrains us. Why? Because we thus judge. Because we think this way. Here's how we evaluate and think of it. Here's what grips and motivates us. You see, it's not your ignorance, it's your understanding. Your Christian life won't operate on the basis of ignorance. You have to understand, you have to be able to think a certain way. Because we thus judge. If one died for all, then we're all dead and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. You see, the Christian life is not not nearly as complicated as it's made out to be. With the motivation uh, of the love of Christ for us, we make the decision to present ourselves to him for his use 
and and we have the knowledge from his word about what it is he's doing today. And when we know what God's doing, then we just present ourselves to him in faith doing what he's doing. You see, what keeps a grace believer going is the grace of God. That's what constrains us. Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, and I look at the clock and I say, gee, manibity, uh, Rick, you don't have nearly the time to get into this passage that you thought you were going to have, and so we'll talk about it next week. But let's start today in 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 3. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. When Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church, he remembered three things about them. He remembered their faith, their hope, and their love. You remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says that these three, these are the three, faith, hope, and charity, these are the three marks of spiritual maturity. You see, the marks of spiritual maturity in your life is not whether you tithe. In fact, you actually can't tithe today. If you know anything about the Bible, and you know anything about what tithing is in the Bible, you know that tithing is not giving money to your church. Somebody says, well, now wait a minute, Brother Rick. Malachi 3.10 says, bring you all the tithes in the storehouse, and don't rob God. But you see, the storehouse isn't your church. The storehouse was a place in Israel out back of the temple where the priests took the stores that were brought to them, the tithes that were brought to the temple in Israel, it wasn't money. Very seldom was it money. It was it was produce, and it was livestock, and, you know, <laughs> well, when you pass the plate, put in some figs and tomatoes and some celery and maybe a, a goat or a sheep or a lamb, or you say, but Brother Rick, that's it. No, no. You see, that's you're not you're not tithing today. In Israel, a tithe, listen to me, in Israel, a tithe was a tenth of an income given to the government of the nation to support the national government. If you want to tithe today, you got to give it to the government to support the national government. That's what a tithe was in the scripture. That's what the Levitical tithe was all about, and that's what they were bringing into the storehouse. You say, Brother Rick, I never heard anything like that. Well, there's a lot of things maybe you never heard about that are, that are biblical. You see, sometimes people get so caught up in thinking they know what the Bible says that they really don't. So when they hear what it actually says, it's kind of shocking to them. Now, I just throw that out to you to say to you that in your Christian life, listen, tithing, keeping ceremonial correctness, doing all the things that religion tells you to do to get God's favor and to be in, in, in good with the man upstairs has nothing to do with the work of faith, the labor of love, and the patience of hope. Paul says faith, hope, and charity, that's the mark. Those are the marks of spiritual maturity. Not all this religious stuff that you hear people say to do. Now, where does, where, where does the work of faith come from? Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The work of faith. What is it that motivates the life of a believer? What is it that empowers the life of a grace believer? Well, it's the work. It's the, it's the energizing force of faith. Chapter 2, verse 13, he says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when, when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. You see, it's God's word that effectually works in you that believe. It becomes the energy and the motive and the empowerment internally 
Ephesians 3, he says he strengthens us by his spirit in the inner man. And that's it. We'll talk more about this next time. Let me offer you a free Bible study while we still have time before we go off the air. Have you ever wondered how the grace life is supposed to operate? We're talking about that a little bit. Can I offer you a Bible study? I call it the grace life in one verse. There's there there are many verses that in the Bible are little capsulized verses that gather a great amount of truth in one verse and and, and encapsulize it. John three sixteen is that way. Galatians two twenty is that way. There's one verse in Paul's epistles that encapsulizes all of what the grace life is about. And this Bible study goes through that verse and helps it doesn't help, it'll ground you in an understanding of what the grace life is all about and how it can be your life. The grace life in one verse, a Bible study I'd like to give to you. I'll pay for it. I, I want to give it to you. I'm trying to get anything from you. I'll even pay for the phone call. You simply call me here at 888-535-2300. That's 888-535-2300. You call that number. When the folks should answer the phone answer, you tell them, I want the Bible study that Brother Rick talked about the grace life in one verse, and I'll see that you get a free copy. 888-535-2300, that's the number to call. could also tell you that we'd be honored to have you with us today at Shorewood Bible Church. Uh, Shorewood Bible Church is a church that, that preaches what the Bible teaches. And if you don't have an assembly to attend today where the Word of God is taught rightly divided, the grace message, the grace life is the issue then why don't you quit robbing yourself and your family if you have one of such an asset? We'd love to have you with us today. We meet this morning at 9.30, at 10.45, 6 p.m. tonight, and 7.30 on Wednesday night at our church building, which is located at 1900 Hicks Road in Rolling Meadows. Now, we're located just off of Highway 53. If you know where Highway 53 and Euclid Avenue is, why would you know where that is? Well, most people know where the Arlington Park Racecourse is, as I've discovered. And that's Highway 53 and Euclid going east. But if you get off Highway 53 on Euclid going west, immediately you come to a light. That's Hicks Road. You turn to the right, and there we are, 1900 Hicks Road in Rolling Meadows. We'd be honored to have you with us today. If you need further information, 888-535-2300 is your number to call. Thanks for being with us today. Until we meet this same time next week, right here, Maranatha. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.